0: Welcome to Connected, episode 178. The show this week is sponsored by Squarespace, Anchor, and Smile. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined this week by my friend and yours, Federico Vitici.
1: Hi, Stephen. How are you?
0: I'm good. We are Mikeless, Although, We're... you wouldn't know that until now, because apparently, introing the show is my job. I don't know how that, that felt to me. Mm. But uh, it's just us. Mike is off celebrating his birthday, so if you haven't tweeted at Mike... Uh, Maybe wish him a happy birthday and tell him your favorite color in the same tweet. I think he'd really like to know your favorite color.
1: Yes, yes. Mike is turning 41. So make sure to wish him a happy 41st, uh, 41, 41, 41 birthday. Um,
0: He's catching up with me, almost. Yeah, yeah He's he really there.
1: cares about. I mean you're, you're uh, 46, Steven, so uh, <laughs> still, still a few years behind. but make sure to wish Mike a really happy, really happy birthday, very special number. Um, Steven, do we have any follow-up this week?
0: We do. Uh, I would like to thank all the listeners who emailed me photos of puppies and flowers. Somebody sent me a picture of a baby. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was <laughs> their, their baby? baby
1: or someone else's baby. <laughs>
0: well, that's the question. If it's someone else's baby, I have a lot of concerns. But if it's their baby, then <laughs> th- it was a cute baby. So thumbs up. It was nice to have nice, nice emails about nice things. We also got some emails about the files app on iOS. And several people suggested File Browser, which is an app I believe we talked about during the transmit conversation a couple of weeks ago. Yes. But it does a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, you recently wrote it up on Mac Stories, so there'll be a link to that as well. Uh, so I've downloaded it and was playing with it today, and it does a lot of a lot of clever stuff. So it's um, if you're looking for something that the Files app can't do or struggles with because it's buggy, Uh, this app is is worth a look.
1: Yeah, it's really powerful and the developers are actually working on a bunch of uh, improvements based on the story that I wrote. Really great guys. Uh, They they listen to feedback, they try to implement, you know, as long as the iOS APIs allow it. Um, I think File browser, if you're looking for iOS 11 integration in terms of stuff like drag and drop, for example, or really the file provider, so being able to browse your uh, servers and connections within the files app, that's the, the one you gotta, you gotta try and, and maybe consider as an alternative to Transmit. Um, the problem is that, especially if you compare the two side by side, the elegance and the polish of Transmit is really nowhere to be found in File Browser which has a utilitarian look. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, sometimes it kind of looks like a Windows app in places. But, but it's improved. <laughs> I can tell you it's improving. They are actually, they're actually trying to pay attention to these details. Uh, there's a beta that I'm testing that has a bunch of also visual improvements. So uh, the, the drag and drop stuff and the files integration is really nice. And if you're, it depends on what your priorities are. If you just, if you don't care and transmit is still working fine, that's okay. But if you're looking for iOS 11 features, this is the one that I would recommend.
0: Cool. So there'll be a link to that in the show notes. They have a regular version and then a business yes. version that's more... would you know the difference between those two? Yes.
1: Uh, so the business version has two main features. The The first one is you can sync um, specific folders for offline usage. So oh, like nice. if you... If you work in a, you know, in a, I guess in a business environment, you need to make sure that this directory from your server is always available on your device, you can do that. And also, if you happen to have, and I do, uh, one of those SanDisk iExpand drive, the little USB stick that you plug into the lightning port of your iPad, you can access that with file browser. And I can tell you that from this very feature, the SanDisk iExpand integration, is going to be a lot lot better in the next version of the app so um this is a great way to almost turn the ipad into a computer from the perspective of i want to plug a usb drive into into my device and you know copy stuff into it or back up you know my photos to a usb drive this is possible with our browser and it's getting a lot better so that's the difference uh
0: so homepod orders have uh have gone up um Mm -hmm. What did we do?
1: Um, I got one through uh, our friend, uh, John Voorhees. He was kind enough to put in an order for me in the United States, because, of course, in Italy, we don't have uh, availability or, or even confirmation that it will be available, like in France and Germany in the spring, we don't have any news from Apple. So at the last, not at the last minute, but I would say the day before, or a couple of days before, I was looking at the photos, at the marketing photos from Apple on the website, and it seemed to me like they changed the color of the space gray one, uh, mm. that it, that it's actual black instead of a really dark gray. And I thought it looked much, much better than the original uh, product shots so i changed my mind and i got the space gray home pod okay yeah
0: i went with white just because that felt like the traditional color you yeah. know like it's the ipod color um i like both you know i think i think both i think either one would look good but i went with white um and i think the white may be maybe more fun i got some some ideas for photography and stuff for this for a review so i went uh i went with the classic ipod white
1: yeah, I think that that's going to stand out more uh, in videos and in photos. I think it makes yeah. more sense from a visual perspective, but I consider like most of the furniture in, in our living room is 10, ten toward black or really dark brown. And the white HomePod would have maybe, you know, uh, it would stick out a lot, I guess. Um we have also the server, which is black, and the the echo, which is also black, in the same area of the of the cabinet that we have. So the home pod, the space gray one, would blend in a little better, I think.
0: Camouflage mm-hmm. it. Where is the sound yeah. coming from? I can't tell. It's coming from everywhere, <laughs> Federico.
1: Well, <laughs> uh, the next item in our follow up <laughs> makes me really, really upset. Um, it's, f- it's for a sad. couple of reasons, for a couple of reasons, uh, tell me, tell me about this story from TechCrunch.
0: Blablacar is a company that we have <laughs> followed on this show. I would say obsessively. Mm. It's it's a service that you personally use and endorse. No, the I deepest do, level, I
1: do not. I really do. So this is a service that. Uh, for those who are not aware of blah blah car it's a car sharing... I don't shared... know how you couldn't be <laughs> it's a, it's a car sharing service where it, it's uh, apparently really popular in in Europe and in and in Italy and among my friends and if you need to go somewhere but you don't want to ta- you don't want to drive or you don't have a car or you don't want to take the train because it, for example, if you want to go a, to a small town in Italy, the transit system can be a bit problematic. Um, you What you do is you hop into someone else's car and you share the drive and you pay that person money through the blah, blah, car application. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if I'm a driver, if I'm going somewhere, I can advertise my trip on blah, blah, car and say, hey, I'm going to Florence uh, and I can have two people in my car, uh, you know, and I can put in a bunch of preferences like I don't listen to music or I don't want people who smoke or I want people to be quiet. So there's a bunch of parameters that you can set. And you, as the, as the passenger, you can say, I'm looking for this kind of drive on this, you know, to this destination on this day, and I'm this type of person. And if there's a match, you can say, well, I'll, I'll go with you. Uh, so this is a terrifying idea, if you ask me, to just <laughs> go with someone, uh, no matter the, <laughs> the, you know, you're using a service and people have to be verified. It still scares me to death to do this kind of stuff. But it's really popular, and I understand why. But there's some news, uh, Stephen.
0: So when this first came into our lives, their artwork and their... <laughs> in fact, if you look at your podcast player right now, the chapter art for this chapter oh, is no. <laughs> a couple of these characters. they little like claymation characters and they sort of interact with each other. And they have, they have moved away from that. So this article is basically two things. A new visual identity, which I actually think looks really nice. Yes, and it does. They're optimizing their service for small cities. So like if you want to go to a small town, you know, it could be hard to get there in public transit they're trying to optimize that. But, uh, Anyway, so it, 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 it popped up again. TechCrunch is like on the Blah Blah Car beat. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they are. It.
1: Romaine, I think Romaine from TechCrunch is always reporting on Blah Blah Car. I mean, it's it's a, it's a great idea, just that I, I don't trust strangers. <laughs> I don't know if that's... An, I mean, is it just me that it, no. sounds, it sounds scary to just say, yes, I will go with this person mm-hmm. that I just met? It's basically like Craig, Craigslist, but you share a few hours in the same car next to that person. Uh, it's I don't know. Um, <laughs> but also, I want to point out that there appears to be a trend in terms of v- branding and visual design mm. that I've seen from a bunch of companies lately. And uh, we, uh, Stephen and Mike and I, we call this trend the tiny heads trend. Um, <laughs> so if you look at, I've seen this, pop up in a bunch of places uh the new artwork in todoist Mm -hmm. you know the the graphics you see when you complete something for example uh the the new blah blah car identity and just today i think there's a there's a story on the new ios 11 app store about finance management apps and there's the same the same cartoon characters with large bodies and tiny heads and i don't know why but this type of style um it really creeps me out. Like these people, they have really large bodies like the monster. What's the name of the the, the, the character from Big Hero Six?
0: Um Oh, I should know this.
1: Uh basically that type of uh structure, but with a really tiny head mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's I don't know, it looks strange. Um so there's it's, a, it's there's t- some links uh, in the show notes <laughs> the, <laughs> explaining the the this. Tiny it's <laughs> <heads> trend.
0: <laughs> oh boy. It's uh It's a trend of tiny heads. It is weird, but, you know, Mm -hmm. branding, uh, what what can you do? All right. Steven, save us, please. We have a bunch of topics this week, but first I want to tell you about our first sponsor, and that is Squarespace. Enter the offer code WORLD at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. It lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and more. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio to show off your work, or maybe you just want to be like Federico and be a blogger. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that stuff. And there's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You just don't have to worry about that stuff because Squarespace, they've got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you do need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name while you're there. Naming stuff is really hard, and you can do it all within Squarespace. And of course, you get access to all of those award winning templates that are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. At Relay, we have used Squarespace from day one to power our blog and our merchandise store. So if you've ever bought a t shirt from us, you have experienced uh, Squarespace's system for e commerce. And it's super easy for us to set up. I can go in, in our inventory, have coupons, it hooks up with our shipping system. It's really awesome. And the best part is, Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you, dear listener, can start a trial today with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when you do decide to sign up, because I know that you will, because it's that good, use the offer code WORLD to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for Connected. We thank Squarespace for the support of this show and FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website.
1: So I just looked on Mike's uh, mentions on Twitter, and people mm-hmm. are wishing him happy forty-first birthday. <laughs> it's
0: good. It's important work we're doing. Very, um, very important work. So there's this. There's a story broke uh, yesterday in Axios yeah. that Apple is doing some some things this year with iOS. So the report claims that. Craig Federighi has announced revised plans for iOS 12 that a number of features that were being worked on, assumedly, or were kind of spinning up maybe, are now being delayed until 2019. Those included a refreshed home screen and CarPlay interface, by the way, which is interesting. But instead of all that stuff, we're going to see improvements to core apps like Mail, um, updates to the camera app and Photos, with a focus on stability and... And bug fixes. Uh, So, this is a big shift potentially in in iOS. You know, iOS has been just pedal to the metal year after Mm -hmm. year after year for a decade now. And it looks like if this is to be believed, and I think that we believe it, that Apple is going to take some time to sort of polish iOS 11, to fix the bugs that they have, to make improvements, and not be a really big year for like user facing features so uh so what do you think mr Mm. mr ipad
1: um so first of all i think this story uh is mostly accurate uh that conversations with a with a bunch of friends at apple uh this week and the consensus is that this indeed happened and the story is mostly true. Uh, the details, of course, can be wrong and things can still change. You know, features, sometimes they get pushed back all the time or they get, you know, moved up. So the details can still change. But the underlying idea that there was this meeting and the, the executives decided um, this is a thing we got to do. This seems to be seems to be the case. And um I've seen on Twitter a few people say uh, this is uh, exactly what happened. Uh, Also in 2015 with iOS 9, uh, that there was a focus on stability and and performance improvements. But I don't remember there being a story about a meeting and about Craig Federighi saying this year we should focus on on fixing the bugs and uh, improving the performance of our devices. I don't remember that being an explicit um, decision. Um, I, I remember iOS nine was uh you know an iPad release. Uh, there were not, to my to my recollection, there were not a, a lot of iPhone features. But I don't remember Apple saying this year we're focusing on fixing the problems and consistency and speed. So if this is uh, there's a, also a tweet from a friend of the show Steve Chad Smith uh, that I think is a good point of um, is this like something that Apple does all the time and we just hear about it now uh, that, you know, features, they get delayed uh, and there's also the talk of uh, fixing bugs and having a more uh, you know, a better uh, performing operating system, but is this really different from previous years or is this more like no, we were actually going to ship this redesigned home screen this year, we were going to do a bunch of new things for CarPlay but we need to delay these major features to next uh, as opposed to what we were thinking until a month ago. So, uh, is this, uh, how, I guess the question is, how much is this unusual for Apple to do at this stage, you know, in late January? Um, so, that's a good question. I think, and this is why. I had my prediction uh, a couple of weeks ago on Connected that Apple was going to have a focus on speed and fixing bugs this year. The combination the, the really bad de- December that Apple had, the combination of the, the the battery stuff that was, you know, popping up everywhere and all the lawsuits and the the news that the iOS 11 adoption rate uh, was, the, was the lowest in years mm-hmm. uh, based on Apple's own statistics. I think all these elements combined to the uh, executive team saying uh maybe we do need to slow down and 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 focus on this other aspect of the user experience which is equally important otherwise people will not update their devices anymore which is going to be a problem um i think it makes sense you know i'm in favor of it and this goes against or maybe I I guess my own interest, but it's also something that I like uh, because uh, having fewer features, uh, personally speaking, means my review is going to be shorter. Uh, because you know, there's only so much you can say about. Yes, uh, there are fewer <laughs> bugs now. I mean, how yeah. do how do you can compare? You can compare speeds, you can compare design fixes, uh, but fewer features means you know fewer chapters in my review. But also as a user, I think I I welcome this because uh, iOS 11 has been buggy in in many places for from for a lot of people. Um, you know, a lot of people have had more issues than, I, than I've than i seen on my devices, but I think especially on, on older devices, you know, older iPads and iPhones. iOS 11 has been problematic. And so, I think it's better for everyone if, you know, once every couple of years, uh, every th- three years maybe, I don't know, but every once in a while, in a while, Apple slows down and says, we're going to do three, four major new features instead of ten and we're going to you know, uh, focus on making sure that the foundation is solid so over the next couple of years we can continue building on top of it. Otherwise, if you just continue building and building and shipping new features and new design, you have two problems. One is performance, and we've seen all these bugs. And the second is is inconsistency. Apple has been uh, building on top of the iOS 7 design language for years without saying... Look, we need to slow down and we need to make up our minds. What is the what is the, the aesthetic that we that we want to go for on iOS? And if you look at iOS eleven, uh, even the tiniest details such as there's probably three different strokes for toolbar icons used uh, in a bunch of places of the OS. So I think it's good news. I think it's good for everyone. It's good for Apple. It's good for us. And it's good for developers because maybe for for once in, in God knows how many summers, they won't have to, uh, you know, to... To ship a bunch of features like major features uh, in their apps they can they can focus on maybe the business aspect or improving the performance uh, and just cleaning up code you know that's also that's also good so'm yeah. I'm, uh, I'm in favor i'm in favor of this
0: yeah I think the um, I think the reason this is news i mean and you alluded to it a second ago that it's the end of January, and you know assuming this happened even in the last couple of weeks, they are already in the the at least the beginning part of the cycle for iOS 12, right? And so, it you know did something internally flip over and they decided to make this and push things back. Whatever happened there internally, I think is um I think is is probably good for all the reasons you stated. That you know there's there's stuff in iOS that needs attention. The design has sort of gotten scattered uh, over the last year or two years. Uh, and I think that if they i mean i o s is their most important operating system, and they there's some stuff in there that needs to uh that needs to kind of be refactored or reconsidered for the modern era, and especially looking at, at moving forward right if they can spend some time and and short with the foundations then they're then they're better off down the road right that if something is buggy or broken now then in two years or in three years that's a bigger problem so Uh, I'm with you. I think this is I think it's a good move. I think it's encouraging to see Apple be willing to put its most important OS, you know, to slow it down for a year and and to not not get into a war of features with with Android. And and to say, hey, look, we needed to kind of take care of our own house first. And uh, so, yeah, I'm 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 in favor. I'm, I'm excited by this.
1: I'm, uh, I'm curious to see if this is true, how they market, uh, how they sell the idea of coming to WWDC. Um... I assume that there's a you know it's not like there there will be zero features like the iOS 12 SDK is just a bunch of fixes. I don't see that happening. There have to be at least a couple of features that you can say iOS developers this year you can work on this. Uh, And and there's also a point that I wanted to make that there's not necessarily uh, there have to be new features in the iOS SDK for developers to to work on their ios apps in the summer for example there could be major itunes connect changes that require developers to to consider the other aspect of the how they release apps how they you know manage beta testing or even the business model so there's still stuff that apple could announce even if they have say three major features on ios but uh the The report from uh, Bloomberg and and uh, the follow up on on followed up on Axios is that Apple is pushing forward on the Marzipan project of mm-hmm. having this shared framework uh, to bring more easily iOS apps to the Mac. So i I guess that maybe that will be the huge announcement at WWDC, and I could see how it sort of will shift the tone of the event from iOS developers scrambling to say, we got to get this device screen size and these major features like drag and drop and new UI to work by September versus iOS developers saying, hey, maybe now I should consider making a Mac app. Um, Mm -hmm. So that that should be a different type of event, if this is indeed the case.
0: Yeah, and you could see a world where... This project to unify at some level Mac and iOS development. I, I can see this is being a very different WWDC than we've had yeah. in a really long time. You know, I think you know thinking back over the last decade of conferences from Apple, most of them are you know, kind of follow this pattern of there's a new Mac or a new iOS release, or, or you know recently both. And sometimes there's hardware, but most of the time there's not. There's a pattern to these things. And if this year is about stability on iOS, and I would hope the Mac as well, then you have lots of room to tell this other story. And maybe it's this secret project, or maybe it's maybe it's something else. But, I mean, really, like, the most recent, like, weird WBC I can really think of is something like the Intel transition, which was now 13 Mm. years ago, right? It's like, we actually don't have much in terms of software because it's actually all about this strategy, right? They didn't even release any new Intel Macs at that point. Those weren't due for another six months, but this is a a time for us to talk about the future and maybe that's what we get this year in San Jose. It would be exciting um, and I think that, I think above all, if there's any kernel to truth in this, I'm glad that Apple is seeing what we see, and mm-hmm. and they're responding appropriately. That you know we do need to take care of these lingering issues. We need to, need to modernize some of our things. We do need to take care of the UI inconsistencies. And so, um, yeah, sign me up for this future. I'm, I'm down.
1: Yeah, I'm, and I know, and I mostly want to see this happen because I want to see what the reaction from people who have been saying apple should have a snow leopard year mm-hmm. snow leopard release i want to see what those people will say after this because part of me thinks that those people will never be happy anyway and that this Snow leopard comment is just something to say uh, yeah. because they tend to be negative all the time and there's a you, you can take a look at you know around and you will see this uh, people have lots of opinions um uh, as always, but I want to see. I want to see if this uh, if this strategy can basically uh, make the critics happy or not. Um, and I tend to fall somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think there should be a balance of f- new features and fixes every year. I think this is a, what we're seeing in this case is an exaggeration uh, because it, it seems to me like Apple prefers to do either a bunch of new features or just to stop completely. And I think, you know, uh, the the uh, this kind of extremist uh, strategy of it's either all new or nothing new. I don't think this serves anybody well. I think there should be a better, more balanced mix of instead of doing 10 10- features and no focus on fixing stuff at all maybe do six features every year but also do the fixing and the polishing and the performance improvements alongside that as well so i think this should be a lesson for apple going forward now they need to stop because they 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 have probably they have You know, legacy code and craft from since before the days of iOS seven. I would assume in certain places of the OS. But going forward, this should be an opportunity for Apple to say, maybe we don't have, we don't need to do twelve major features plus hundreds of other smaller features and changes every year. Maybe we can do half, but we can also keep people happy because, as it turns out, we're now entered this kind of stage uh, where. We all have smartphones and we many of us have tablets and we're used to these devices. And having this long list of changes at the expense of performance and stability every year, people don't like that. People want their phones, you know, it's not like 2010 when everything was new and so it was super cool to have a new feature, dozens of new features every year. We want our phones to work. And we want our tablets to work. So I hope that going forward... I want to see what happens this year. But next year, even, I want to see Apple say, okay, maybe we need to do a little bit of both at the same time, not either one or the other.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's totally fair. You know, it it does seem... I, mean, I hadn't really thought about that, but as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense that Apple is, like, cold or hot on these things. And yeah. we have gotten... I mean, so, so not to derail this into Mac land, but this is sort of what we were promised with the Mac last year. And Apple mm-hmm. wasn't as clear as this report seems to be that it's about stability and fixes. Although Craig Federighi said that to the nerd audience at the talk show and language wasn't as clear in the keynote, but high Sierra people thought it was going to be a snow leopard release, but then they did a new file system and then they did whatever they did to the authentication system that ended up being badly broken Um, So even High Sierra is not like a purely bug fix release and neither was Snow Leopard. Snow Leopard added exchange support, which was a huge improvement to mail contacts and calendars. So even Apple's Mac bug fix releases always have one or two features. Uh, Snow Leopard also had Grand Central Dispatch, which like totally changed uh, and added to the architecture of computing on Mac OS, like big changes under the hood. And so I think there's... There's precedent for that of Apple saying, hey, you know what? We're doing bug fixes and, and cleaning up. We're going to clean up the UI. And, uh, you know, Mail and Safari got a lot of attention and got a lot of uh, a lot of new stuff. So uh, I think that, you know, I don't know how Apple sells just bug fixes and reliability to, like, the public, but I think if it's one or two, you know, big features and then the rest of us are excited about the sort of cleanup stuff. Then that's enough for for a major OS mm. release. Like this is, I don't think this is going to be iOS 11.5. Like that would really, really surprise me. Like it's going to be 12.
1: Mm, I thought about that. It'd be crazy. <laughs> I thought about that though. Yeah, yeah, it would. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what a possible strategy could be. Uh, a simple message: uh, iOS 12 makes your phone last two hours longer. That, that would, would do be, it. That would do it. And, you know, you do that and you do 100 new emoji and you're basically set. <laughs> you, mm. gotta, you know, if everybody wants a phone that lasts longer and has new emoji and maybe new an emoji. Uh, you, you, I think in the, to get those numbers back up, you need to get practical here. You need to understand that the very necessity that most people have with their phone. And that is, I want my phone to last longer and you i i honestly believe that that if they focus on performance and they ship features to control the you know even more features to control background processes for example and to control which apps are using your uh, you know a lot of your energy um and combine that with the with the throttling and the battery information coming in 11.3 uh apple has a as a real chance to to make people happy by addressing the the most common complaint and that is it's 11 p.m. and my phone died uh, and because that's annoying and that uh, everybody can relate to that
0: yeah uh, people in my household would be happy and I, I know that <laughs>
1: So yeah, we'll see. I'm 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 curious to see the WWC press release. Like, what is it that they say in the press release? Come to see the future of iOS. I I guess they will still say that because yeah. they have to. But uh, you know, it should be it should be interesting. I I you know, uh, it's February almost, and uh, I would assume that it you know now it's uh, it's gonna be the hot rumor season. We're gonna get the reports of features coming or not to ios so i'm looking forward to that
0: should be uh should be an adventure maybe the invite is just like craig federighi with a band-aid like placing it over an ipad
1: (laughs) it's a the invite graphics is a photo craig federighi holding a sign that says sorry
0: sorry a cardboard sign like standing at an intersection Sorry. all right we have more stuff to talk about but let me tell you about our second sponsor. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is absolutely the fastest and easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you just have a thing that you want to say, a moment you want to share, you can. You don't need a mobile recording rig. Just download Anchor from the App Store and you record onto it like you're talking on the phone. Then Anchor takes care of the rest. As well as allowing you to create a quick podcast of your own, Anchor is also a really cool social network built around audio. You can follow people, call into their stations, leave them questions, and listen to some of your favorite people share their thoughts with you. This app is super well-polished. for something that has people you subscribe to, ways to record audio, way to share it. They've really done a good job of making it easy to use. It's bright and colorful. There are emoji everywhere. It's really a great app for 2018. If you want to find out more about Anchor, there's a great way to do that. Uh, Mike, our co-host, has been using Anchor. You can go to his page, anchor.fm slash Mike Hurley. You can find out more there and you can follow him there. He is doing a persistent audio AMA with listeners of this show, so you can call in and ask questions. He's answering a few every day. Uh, So you sign up, you call into his station to leave a message, and then he plays back the best one. So you hear the listener question, and then his answer together. It's really, really cool. Once again, go to anchor.fm slash Mike Hurley to check it out and leave him a question. Our thanks to Anchor for their support of this show and Relay FM. So in the same time frame we're talking about iOS 12, Mm -hmm. the iPhone SE uh, and the iPhone SE2, the rumored upgrade to the iPhone SE... Is, uh, is making the rounds. And I think most of us believed that if there is another iPhone SE, and I think there should be, it looks the same. They just replace the guts in it, which are basically an iPhone 6S, give or take, and puts like the iPhone 7 or hopefully even the iPhone 8s internals in the, in the case and just upgrade the specs and keep selling it as it is. Um, I think that's how a lot of people have thought about this but there's a kgi securities report out casting doubts um on the se2 and basically saying that if it if it does come it's not going to bring anything like wireless charging it's mm. not going to bring radically new design um and i just don't know what the point of this report is because yeah. i don't were people thinking <laughs> like i somebody so i wrote my iphone 10 review this week finally and someone was like well why didn't you mention like a, an iphone se sized iPhone 10. It's like because I don't think there's going to be one. Like, uh, so why? I don't understand the point of the report. It seems pretty cut and dry to me that if the iPhone SE two is a thing, they're just going to put new hardware in the case and keep selling it.
1: I thought the entire point of the SE was to one keep the small form factor that a lot of people still like around and giving people the you know better internals. And also to reuse some components uh, that Apple has, you know, the supply chain already knows how to produce and mass, and they know how to make into a product. Uh, I don't understand why there should be the expectation that the SE has a as a war- as wireless charging and therefore a glass back instead of the aluminum design of the iPhone 5 family. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't understand. Uh, is that does the SE have the iPhone 5 or iPhone 4s size?
0: um uh it's the it's it's the 5s so like it 5S, looks yeah. more or less like a 5s uh the the edges are a little bit different but yeah it's it's that size so it has touch id and yeah you know it's okay. that that four inch form factor
1: yeah i i could see maybe um dropping the uh the home button and the touch id but To change, but even then, it would be strange to have the iPhone 10 look uh, with the because I don't think the body, the 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 aluminum structure, is changing. I I struggle to imagine why would Apple want to make a um, an iPhone 5 sized iPhone 10 or even an iPhone 8, basically an iPhone 8 into the into the, the because there there has never been. If we're talking about wireless charging, so let's go let's go step by step. If if mm, KGI mentions wireless charging, that means at least the iPhone 8 design because those are the phones that support wireless charging. There are not the iPhone 10. But there has never been an iPhone 6 sized device that has wireless charging. So Apple would have to make a new iPhone 8 type of device into a smaller body and that to me does not mean reusing components and making a phone that is smaller for people who don't want to get the latest one because basically you're arguing in favor of saying I want an iPhone 6 but that supports wireless charging and that thing never existed so what is it exactly that you're saving here I, I don't understand this report
0: this may be a case. I mean, we could be wrong, right? It could be come and come and go, and it has wireless charging and a four-inch screen and a new body. But I just don't see Apple making that investment. I think the <laughs> and the SE is like super cheap, and I think a large part of that is because it's so cheap to build them at this point that they just like they're just cranking them out. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I hope there's an SE. You I know, mean, my wife has an iPhone SE; she really loves it, but it's two years old, and you know, it's got six S internals and. I haven't run any benchmarks or like the battery thing on it because I don't, I don't, <laughs> I assume that it's had battery uh, wear and tear over those two years. And uh, she likes the size. She doesn't want to go up to the size of the iPhone 8. And so hopefully there's something to replace that phone with for her at some point.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I would, and I, I, I would not be surprised if it looks the same. And I don't think that's a letdown. Like I think people who buy the iPhone SE buy it for two reasons one of two reasons. One, because it's, it's cheap. And, you know, if you if you only have a little little relatively little bit amount of money to spend on a phone, it's at the bottom end of things. And two, I think the bigger reason is that people really like the size. There are a lot of people, my wife is chief among them, that anything over four inches is too big for her. She just she doesn't care for it. I bought her an iPhone success. And I sold it to a family member when the SE came out. Yeah, wow. So she had a success for like two months, and then the SE came out, and I had to swap it around for her. And so she doesn't want to move up in size. I think there are a lot of people like that, and that's it's not a very big market, but I think it's a market that is worth Apple continuing to serve, especially if it if it is relatively straightforward to do so and taking the se and giving it a glass back for wireless charging or making it with the face id like all those things are not keeping it simple and it would drive the cost up and it would it would decentivize apple to do it in the first place so i think an iphone se2 is just the iphone se we know today just faster and that will appease those customers 100 percent.
1: yeah i could see you know iphone 7 specs into that kind of device uh not even iphone 8 specs i don't remember when the sc launched which kind of internals it had it, it uh, has
0: the 6s internals and it came out like four months after the 6s so for most of a year it was it was up to date uh, and then the iphone 7 passed it
1: okay so it could be iphone 8 specs in the, in yeah, the, so. in the smaller package that would be nice um yeah that that would be that would be amazing actually I have a dear friend who swears by the SE he doesn't want to upgrade to the even the iPhone 7 the, uh, the iPhone 8 the small one uh he just wants to keep the phone as small as possible uh, which I understand because a lot of people don 't do not like you know uh, where we 've gone as an industry towards bigger phones they want to use small ones, and I think the SE is important enough to keep those people happy because if there are enough people, why drive them away to another to another ecosystem uh, if you can make this cheaper phone that as arguably a classic industri- industrial design, you cannot say that the the, the iPhone 5s look is ugly or uh, dated. It still it looks beautifully retro the way that I see it. It's it's a classic Apple design. So why not keep it keep it around? And you know if you have if you have the components for the current line of phones, so why not reuse them? Uh, I also think you know uh, there's a it's valuable for Apple to produce these phones because it, uh, you know, it teaches them how to make these components into an even smaller package, uh, such as you know taking the the current year's uh, CPU, for example, and making it fit into such a smaller body. That that should be valuable from an engineering perspective. So, I'm I would be happy to see a new a new SE model this year.
0: Yeah, I didn't really thought about that from like the engineering perspective. It being beneficial. But I think you're I think you're right there. I think there's definitely definitely something there, and I think the look is fine like like you said, it's classic you know it uh my wife's got the space gray uh s e and i she usually carries it in a case, but I had it out of the case a couple of weeks ago, and I was like I was just holding it. I was like, man, this looks really good still, and every <laughs> well, it's not so much with the with the iPhone ten, but for a while with the plus, sometimes I thought, you know, would it be crazy? To like pick up a fives or an se just to have a phone that is smaller for like bike riding and going to the gym, and the Apple watch has taken care of that for me because like going to the gym with a plus size phone in your pocket is just a giant pain, but there are people who you know want a phone as small and compact as possible and and you said something about you know going to other ecosystems there aren't many Android flag no Android flagship phone is as small as the SE. You kind of have to do like mid-range or even cheap phones on the Android side to get something this small. So, I mean, Apple really, I think, has the only premium small size smartphone at this point, you know, that, that matters. And I think that's valuable to have. And I think that, you know, when they introduced it, they talked a lot about how people buying their first iPhone at the time, they were buying 5Ss because they were cheap and small, and the SE can meet their needs, but with modern technology inside of it. Because if someone is buying their first phone, and they're going to buy the small, cheap one, if they buy something that's three years old, the the iOS experience is not what it is on a new phone, right? It's going to be slower. You're going to have features that aren't there. And some of that's true on the SE because it doesn't have um, 3D touch, but it is as close as you can get to having the full iOS experience for the cost. And again, I think that's valuable because someone coming into the ecosystem, if their first device is small and cheap, but it's a cruddy experience, that's not a great introduction to this world, right? Um, and I think the SE keeps a lot of people coming into the ecosystem happy for many years. And again, I think that's a valuable customer to have. They're not paying what I paid for my iPhone ten, so they're not like as monetarily valuable to Apple. But if their first iPhone experience is good, I bet they're going to get a second iPhone. And if it's a if it's a way to introduce people to the iPhone for the first time that's cheap and relatively modern and fast and beautiful and robust, that aluminum body is way tougher than the glass front and back iPhone uh, 8, 8 Plus and 10, then like those are all good things. There's all there're all reasons to keep the SE around and to improve it. And I really hope we see it this spring. You know, March will be 2 years. It's it's time. Um So I'm hoping that, you know, even if there's not a March event, you know, Apple just has a press release. Hey, you know, the SE has, you know, updated internals. Go crazy. Um, I know that we'd be ordering one for my wife the day it happens.
1: Did they have uh, an event for the original SE? It was there.
0: There was an event. It was it was during the 9.7 inch.
1: Oh, right. Yeah
0: ipad pro event maybe I don't know, no, that's there not could... right there was something else there was something else in that keynote, but um uh they um oh look, i'm looking on uh on uh youtube let's see what else let's see what else was during this event I don't know, they had other stuff uh, but it was part of a march event, so
1: yeah, it was march march twenty 20- 21 2016 Sixth, uh, March 2016 Uh so that was 2 years ago uh,
0: Yeah it was springing. the 9 point it was the 9.7 inch iPad Pro
1: Yeah yeah I'm looking at photos there were oh, do dear remember there were four color options for the SE Nice Yeah it's a it's a really if you take, I'm taking a look at the pictures again cuz I don't see this phone this design often right Uh it's a classic design it still looks great it, I mean, it's not the phone for me, but I think it looks fantastic. And there's there's no camera bump, uh, <laughs> it's which true. is nice. Uh, it's it's flat. It's a flat back as it should be uh, on on a phone. And it can even capture 4K video. So um, I sometimes I forget that the the SE is a modern phone. It's got Apple Pay. It's got 4K video. It's got you know no camera bump. Uh it looks really nice. It's it's uh, it's the past of iPhone designs, but that does not necessarily mean that it's bad. So I agree we should get we should we should get a new SE. I don't want it, but it's important for people to have. So fingers crossed. Uh, even though I don't know there's going to be a March event in 2018. I have no idea, but yeah. We'll Maybe
0: it'll be the iPhone SE and a Mac Mini. Just all the sm- all the small things get updated. <laughs> iPod Touch.
1: It'll be the grab bag. The grab bag event with uh, SE two, Mac Mini, and AirPower.
0: Power. <laughs> oh yeah, that thing. Oh, I've already yes. forgotten about it.
1: Well, don't call it that thing. It's awesome. I'm looking forward to our I am too.
0: The other day, actually, uh, I think I tweeted this. I got to the gym, and I flipped open my AirPods case, and the LED didn't come on. I was like. Oh no. oh no! So I pulled the earbuds out, and w- the left one wouldn't pair, and the right one said it had two percent battery left. I was like, "Oh, I don't have any wired headphones with me." And um, uh, I, I stayed at the gym. I didn't. I didn't go home, even though the thought did cross my mind. Uh, but I definitely just put them in, so it looked like I was listening to stuff. So you mm. know, people don't try to talk to you.
1: Um, I don't know what that says about me as a person maybe nothing no. good but actually a lot of people do that uh, I remember when we were at Facebook uh, two years ago and there was the vending machine uh, with headphones mm-hmm. that you could get you could have used one of those at the gym I know like, uh... oh man
0: They're like 100 bucks for AirPods ah, okay sure, <laughs>
1: sign me up
0: <laughs> yeah. here's my credit card <laughs> all the iPhone SE stuff comes in in context that KGI and others are reporting that 2018's iPhones are going to be bonkers. So a second gen iPhone 10 with upgraded internals, a 6.5 inch iPhone 10 plus, Mm -hmm. and then a cheaper LCD, but still has face ID, 6.1 inch screen and assumedly no 4.7 or old plus. Like I don't want to really get into this because this is all crazy and it's really early. But I just, I just don't see Apple giving up the 4.7-inch size. Um, hmm. I feel like something in all this iPhone reporting is, is not landed quite yet. There's still something out here that isn't quite fully formed in, in these reports.
1: So I had a thought about this. and Uh-oh. This is just my, my theory, but it's the only way that in my brain I can reconcile these rumors. Um, My idea and my question slash theory is if maybe the, uh, uh, the strategy of offering both the old design iPhone 8 and the futuristic iPhone 10, if maybe that did not work out as Apple expected, or if maybe it's just time to move on. I wonder if this could be a way to say within the same line, so the same design, we now offer three options there's iPhone 10 which would be the quote basic one uh, with the LCD there's iPhone 10 Pro which would be the one we have today with the OLED display and the bigger uh, display also and an iPhone 10 Plus which would be you know the really top of the line model
0: yeah Thirteen hundred dollars, and I do, and I do,
1: and I do wonder uh, if maybe this is Apple's way of saying uh, we don't want to cause any more uh, confusion, uh, asking people to pick between the also new iPhone eight, which is you know a bigger number than last year, so it must be new, but the also newer new iPhone ten. Um, And it's a way of saying everything is new, but now you just choose whichever version you prefer. Um, I do also wonder if Confusion could be just relocated somewhere else, uh, which would be... How do you explain people the differences between what looks like an iPhone X but as an LCD and what looks like an iPhone X also but is OLED? So uh, it seems to me like just the display type wouldn't be enough to explain people how to tell the difference. (laughs) No Um, way, man! Like people don't know the difference. (laughs) Exactly. So, but but I do. I have asked myself this question: Is this a way to simplify uh, the decision for people? Uh, You know, instead of having to say, "Do I want the old design?" But it's the iPhone 8, so it's still new. Or do I want the iPhone 10, which is super new, but it's also super expensive?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's all very confusing.
1: I still think that the iPhone Pro name is a it's is a great name and it should happen it is a good
0: it is a good name.
1: Mm-hmm. But we all know, you know, we're gonna go back to the I mean the 10 plus it sounds amazing. So I was holding um a friend of mine, she has an iPhone 7 Plus. Um and she wants to wait until the 10 gets the plus version because she's so used to having the big phone mm-hmm. and i was holding her phone a few days ago and it looks it still looks great um, i'm used to the iphone 10 i love the iphone 10 i think having the edge to edge design compensates for the smaller size yeah. but I cannot wait until (laughs) I get the plus physical size, but it's an entire display. Because I know I can use that phone. I used that phone for a couple of years. And I'm going to have an even bigger plus um, that has this edge-to-edge display. That it's not physically bigger, but the experience gives gives me more room for apps and everything. So I'm I'm really looking forward to this phone.
0: That's really funny to me. I, too, very recently held a 7 Plus, uh, a friend of mine has, and I sort of had the opposite reaction to you, and I really liked the Plus, mm. but the 10, because it's more or less hand-wavy, the Plus screen in the regular phone body, roughly, I was like, I don't know if I... I don't want to see it, but I don't know if I could go back. Like, it felt enormous. I think part of it is just trickery that it has the chin and the forehead so it looks bigger than it is. Yeah. But I don't know. So I, I'm i very curious about an iPhone 10+. Plus. I would definitely want to check one out. But I, I don't know right now if they were both on sale what I would do, because I'm really happy with the 10, because I've gotten used to the the more compact size, but you still, like you said, get most of the benefits of the Plus screen. Now, the one thing that I still think is inferior is the keyboard. I think the, the keyboard really benefits yes. from the width of the Plus.
1: <laughs> that is so true. Yeah.
0: Who knows? I guess we'll find out September.
1: <laughs> we, sh- we should note that all these rumors and this speculation uh, is leading up to Apple's results, which are due tomorrow for mm-hmm. Q1 2018, I guess. Sure, yes. Um, which is- would be the holiday quarter, you know, the really big numbers. Um, and, uh, you know, we've seen all these reports of, uh, and, I- and I should tell you, this uh, th- this notion that Apple is discontinuing, is canceling the iPhone 10, is everywhere. I've had my girlfriend ask me if the iPhone 10 is being canceled. I've had my mom ask me is what is going on with the iPhone 10. I've had friends saying, "Oh, don't you know Apple is discontinuing the iPhone 10?" So, um, the narrative that Apple isn't selling the new phone well is something that happens every year, but this year. It's been everywhere in the news and, and people, uh, people like everybody I talk to about the iPhone, they know that Apple is cancelling the iPhone ten, which is crazy. Uh, but uh, I do wonder if we're going to get any, um, I mean, we have to, to get any kind of detail from Apple tomorrow during the earnest call that, you know, they need to reply to this Reports that you know the iPhone 10 is being canceled because it didn't sell as as well as Apple was hoping.
0: Um, my my guess is, I mean, so we'll see the the average selling price, and I think that'll be up a little bit from where it's been, showing that you know tens are in the mix. But I would not be surprised if Apple doesn't take that report on like head on and says, "No, we're not canceling. Demand is still strong." We are still making this phone because it is so – and most of the time these stories come out and they sort of die off because people understand that sometimes they come from people who are trying to do things with the stock or I don't know if that's the case mm-hmm. this time. But you know, there's all these factors, right, when you talk about the financial side of it that I don't think either of us are fully capable of discussing intelligently, but it's very complicated. Uh, but this time, like you said, it is everywhere, man. It is everywhere. And yes. it feels like Apple, because it's their flagship – I think I would not be surprised, I should say, if Tim Cook doesn't address that just directly uh, in like very plain language. And they have done that sort of thing in the past, addressing certain things. Um, but uh, no, I mean, it's it's silly to think, you know, maybe you know maybe it hasn't met their expectations, or maybe the ASP hasn't moved, and we'll see that tomorrow, you know, to a degree, and we'll have to wait for you know, um, Assimkona and, and other other folks to really break it down, but. My guess is that the iPhone X is selling fine. I see them out in the world. I also see a ton of eights and eight pluses because I think the eight was different enough that people who skipped the seven are finally upgrading. Like, I know a lot of people went from the six or the six S t- uh, to the eight, and uh, I, think, I think their numbers are going to be huge tomorrow. But I, I don't think Apple's going to let that rumor f- continue to float out there. I think they're going to th- say something directly.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Uh, I want to. I wanna I want to see what the what the narrative, um, how they you know all these uh, analysts how they react to a direct confirmation from Apple. So that should be interesting. And the results are due tomorrow, so February first at. Uh, we talked about this a few minutes ago, Steven. What's the time again? Uh, is that eleven? My eleven p.m. in Italy, which could should be the five p.m. Eastern in the United States. But as usual. Um, the results they come out uh, thirty minutes before Apple does their earnings call when their market closes uh you get a press release from apple and you get a bunch of charts from websites like uh mac Stories, 512, five twelve six colors all all the all the great websites mm-hmm. we have we have charts <laughs> so we have numbers so we have different colors for numbers so that should be fun
0: should should be should be a real scene so we have uh we got one more topic. And uh, you know it's a busy week. I mean, for the end of January, like we're not even talking about the government <laughs> probing Apple about the battery mm, thing. Yeah, uh, there's still a bunch of stuff that we've had in our show notes that we keep pushing back. It's been a very busy January. Usually, January's pretty slow when it comes to covering Apple, but they're keeping us busy. Uh, but we have one last sort of uh, unusual topic. Uh, but first, let me tell you about our final sponsor this week. This episode of Connected is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends at Smile. PDF Pen equips you with everything you need for more powerful PDF editing. It's the ultimate tool for editing PDFs and going paperless with your work. It's time you get your documents in order, and Smile is here to help. With PDF Pen, you can split and combine PDF documents to send just the right things to the people who need them. You can fill in PDF forms, whether they're interactive or not. You can even add things like page numbers, redact uh, account numbers, and even perform OCR on scanned documents. So you can scan a bunch of paperwork. Uh, I'm doing this right now with taxes. I'm scanning a bunch of stuff, and then I can OCR it in PDF Pen so I can search it. It's really, really powerful. And if you're looking for something in particular, you can find and highlight all instances of a specific term in a document. Sometimes PDFs just need a small fix, like correcting a typo, and you can use PDF Pin to sort that out as well. Uh, the feature is so handy, it can save you from having to create an entirely new PDF. Uh, you just go in there and correct a typo. And the new PDF Pin 3 is tailor-made for iOS 11, so you can get all these great benefits of PDF Pin right on your iPhone or iPad. You also have the option to s- step up to PDF Pin Pro to create PDF portfolios. You can create collections of multiple PDFs and related files, and this is great for presenting year-end documents or taxes or that sort of stuff. Like I said, I've been in the midst of paperwork as a business owner, and PDF Pen has really come through for me as it always does. If you're thinking about trying PDF Pen, now is a time to do it. They've just added over a hundred enhancements with the release of PDF Pen 9. So get organized this year. Go to smilesoftware.com/slash podcast now. To see what PDF Pen could do for you. That's smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Thank you so much to PDF Pen from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Federico, we're preparing mm-hmm. for the show this week, and you text me and saying, I've been using DuckDuckGo this year, or for mm-hmm. old, I don't know how long you said. I've been using DuckDuckGo. Yeah. And I know people who use it. I think. Most of the people who use it, if I can paint with a broad stroke, do it because they don't want to use Google, yeah, for political or religious reasons. Um, but you use Google stuff often, you yeah. know, yes. Uh, but you're using DuckDuckGo on iOS for some very specific reasons that I found really interesting. So, yeah. what has gone into this decision for you?
1: Um, so I should note upfront that I, I haven't switched. Uh, search engines because of privacy concerns or because I think Google is creepy or because I feel like I'm being spied. Hmm. I understand that some people have these concerns, which are valid, but this is not my primary reason. Um, I have been increasingly annoyed by how Google mobile search works and looks like in Safari for iOS. I've had very specific complaints and problems that I will go through right now. The first one, and really the most annoying one, which I cannot stand any longer, is that every single time I search for something on Google with my iPhone, I get a location prompt. I get a, I get a pop-up dialogue that says, Do you want, Google wants to use your location for results, whatever. I have tried to follow a bunch of tutorials over the past couple of years. Each one of these guides offered a solution to get rid of these prompts. None of them worked. So, yes, you can try to send me a link to a tutorial that promises to fix this problem. It will (laughs) not work. I have tried them all. So every time I open a Google search, I get this prompt that, um i assume it's because i try to use google.com but it, also the iphone sees that i'm in italy and it, basically i need to accept this prompt and then it reloads the page underneath so the results change before my eyes um and this is super annoying because i i i've been seeing this prompt like 12 times a day yeah and I it's see it such too. a waste it's so annoying um the other, the other issue that I have is that there's a, a general weirdness due to AMP pages. So the, the Google AMP, the, the mobile format that they're doing, um, it used to be that I could not copy the standard uh, URLs of web pages, uh, you know, Google was doing the Google.com/slash/amp/slash/something, uh, but now that the links have been cleaned up, I still get weird issues with, for example, scrolling in in these AMP pages uh, because Google, if whatever possible, they try to default to loading the the AMP version of a web page that you open from Google Search, or I, for example, I often cannot swipe back from a google amp page Uh, if i try to swipe back from the left edge of the iphone's display the gesture is like stuck because i think uh you know the google amp it does some weird stuff to hijack the scrolling the standard scrolling behavior of safari and so sometimes not even swiping back works or if it does if swiping backs works, I go back to the main Google search page, but I cannot swipe vertically anymore. So I cannot scroll results for like two seconds.
0: And we should say it's a happy anniversary. It's been a year since you were in the New York Times. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yelling about Google AMP. Well, there'll be a link in the show notes.
1: <laughs> nice. Um, what else? Um Oh, of course. Um, there's, I get constantly, I get redirected to the, from the google.com uh, version, which is the one that I want to use because for work, uh, I need to look up English stuff all the time. I get redirected to the Google Italian ver- version, which would be .it for Italy. I don't want to use that. I do not want to, because whenever I type something in English, uh, but it goes to uh, google.it, it it then says, do you mean to search for this? Because it does not understand English, because it's the Italian version. So I do not want to get redirected to the the Italian version of Google search. And finally, something that I've been noticing over the past few months is, sometimes when you tap on a Google search result, you open the result, and then if you go back the result gets overlaid with related suggestions. So like tiny rectangles containing related search queries for the result you just tapped on. But if, for example, you go back and you... So let's say you search for, um, I don't know, um, dog cow tattoo on Google. Mm -hmm. And you open a result and you say, oh, this is pretty cool. You go back. And you're back on the list of results. And then you say, oh man, I should have copied the link to the web page. And You assume I should be able to tap and hold on the title of the search result. And I can copy the link. But no, these uh, suggestions, they overlay the result. And you cannot see the result anymore unless you reload the entire web page, which is just I um this is too much, man. Like all these changes, and all these amp stuff, and the location prompts. This is just so annoying. It used to be so simple, and I don't mean to sound like a grumpy old guy. I'm all for change and new features, but the, it's like y- y- uh, you were supposed to give me to give me a car, and now you're giving me this space shuttle with all these controls and all these options. I just want a list of results. This was your entire premise, Google. That I type something into the box and the box spits out a bunch of results and that for me at least that is not the case anymore because whenever I type in something I am waiting that second uh, wishing that uh, either I don't get a location prompt or I don't get a bunch of AMP pages or that I can scroll like a normal web page and this is just too much so like a couple of weeks ago I was like you know I know, but most people do this for political reasons. I'm just going to try DuckDuckGo because of the design and functionality. Like, I want what Google used to be three, four years ago before they started doing all of this. Um, And it looks nice. It's a a list of search results with no AMP, no location prompt. And yes, privacy is a plus, Uh, you know, for me. It's not... For me personally, it's not the main reason why I want to use this. It's just the main functionality of a search engine. I type something, I get a list of results. Sometimes I get those special fancy inline answers, like you can do calculations, you can do currency conversions, you can look up definition of words which look awesome on DuckDuckGo. It's a really beautiful design. You can get nerdy with DuckDuckGo. You can go into the settings, you can change a bunch of preferences, you can you can switch themes, which is nice, I guess. Um, but honestly, uh, it looks nicer. Still, um, and if you have any questions, Steven, feel free to ask me. I'm not a DDG expert, but I've been playing around with it. Um, I fear that the uh, i w- i still i will still have to use google for two things that i do all the time it's not that i fear i i'm i'm begrudgingly using google for two things <laughs> one of them is i use google news results a lot and duckduckgo as a news tab uh in the search results but it's not as um I don't want to see real time, but as a, you know, um, effective as Google's. Uh, on Google, I see a lot of news items. On Doctor Go, I, I often don't even see the news option at all. And the other one is the ability to, uh, to filter results by time. Uh, this is something that I do a lot on Google. If I'm looking for something recent, I filter by the last 24 hours or the last month. This is something that you can do if you tap on search tools on Google search. And I think DuckDuckGo has the same option, but again, there are not as many results as the, there are on Google. The good news is DuckDuckGo has this feature called Bangs, which are basically a syntax that allow you to redirect a search from DuckDuckGo to something else. And this works... Both in the in the DuckDuckGo webpage, so if you actually type into the search field, or if you set DDG as your default search engine in Safari, the bang syntax also works in the Safari address bar. So, for example, nice. if I know I need to look up to look something up on Google, uh, instead of opening DuckDuckGo and then be like, oh man, I didn't find what I was looking for, uh, if I have a feeling that like you know maybe. I'm gonna I'm gonna find this page on Google. I do right away in Safari, exclamation point G, which which is the bank syntax for Google. Uh, and then I type in whatever it is that I'm looking for. And automatically, DuckDuckGo goes to encrypted.google.com, which is the encrypted version of Google search. I don't know what encrypted means. It should be encrypted by default. I guess there's a higher privacy level or something. And uh, it's a way to bypass... Um, Duck, duck, go and go straight to Google and there's a the bank syntax which I'm not super familiar with but I know it's you can do this kind of stuff for YouTube for Amazon for uh, it's a way to save time uh, you know with with uh, with a custom syntax so basically I'm happy so far it looks cleaner. And I don't understand why Google is making it so hard for people to use Google mm-hmm. search on their iPhones. It used to be so simple I and mean, it used to be so effective. Like you type something, you get something back. But now they, you know, they're hungry for all these data and location and amp and all this custom stuff and i'm just like you know google i'm fine with your data collection policy i'm fine with your type of company because usually i get a great service out of gmail and the right. g suite and all this other stuff but this is too much this is basically unusable for me so i'm just going to use something else
0: yeah i haven't spent much time with dot go but i know it's powerful uh i know that Safari, <laughs> mobile Safari and Google are a super annoying combination. I get them too here in the U.S. I get that little pop-up. And as far as I can tell, nothing I've searched for and found on the Internet can make it stop. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so there's that. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, keep us posted on this. I'm curious if this is something that sticks long-term or if you end up being frustrated by something and, and going yeah. back. So
1: Yeah, I... I... I've heard from people that said, um, I try to use DuckDuckGo because I like them, uh, the design, and I like the company. Yeah. But ultimately, I was constantly going back to Google, so I figured maybe I should just switch back <laughs> just and accept back. and accept Google for what it is. Uh, so far, the things I'm looking for, um, like, I don't know, support documents from Apple or developer pages on developer.apple.com or old articles on Mac Stories or Dating Fireball I've been able to find those just fine um i'll i, I want to see how it goes uh, you know maybe when i'm working on an article and i need to do a lot of research is that going to be a problem um uh, so we'll, we'll i'll keep you posted on how this goes but yeah. right now i'm making actions for drafts to launch search pages on Go. i'm making workflows you know i'm having i'm having fun as usual uh but we'll have to see you know when i'm uh, when, when 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 I need to look up a lot of stuff, old articles, old old reference uh, reference material, is that gonna work for me? I don't know. So we'll see.
0: I think that does it for this week. Feel good? Yeah, I feel good.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. I feel uh, I feel refreshed, Stephen. <laughs> That's good. Mm-hmm.
0: If if you want to find show notes for this week, you can point your web browser to relay.fm/slash connected/slash one seven eight. The show notes probably also in the app you're using. Uh, to listen to this, but they're on the web. If you need them, there, there's an email link there on the sidebar of the web page, and then of course you can find us all on Twitter. Mike is at i m y k e. Be sure to wish him a happy birthday and tell him your favorite color. You can find Federico there as Vitici, v i t i c c i, and Federico of course writes MaxStories.net. You can find me at five twelve pixels.net and five twelve pixels on YouTube and on Twitter. I'm ismh. Uh, thank. You to our sponsors, Squarespace, Anchor, and Smile. And until next week, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Adios.